Hi, I'm Isaac. I'm Caleb. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ryan, and we are the King's Advocate Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just want a quick, a quick little disclaimer here. Not experts. Uh, we, we definitely encourage your own study. Any questions you have, let us know. We're just uh, we're just four guys who, who like reading about the Bible and want to, to know God better and talk about Him more. So uh, this episode is a continuation of our last episode, which was over Ruth. So last episode, we went over the story of Ruth, and this one we want to talk about what does Ruth mean to us? What you know? What can we learn from Ruth? What, what can we take away? And I think there's several things that are very important, and we kind of hinted at this. The, the biggest thing, I think, is when we look at Boaz, we see a, a type of Christ. And that's, that's true in not only uh, this story, but it's true in, in other stories, too. So, like, when we look at, like, a character that we see in Ezra is uh, Zerubbabel and, and um, Joshua, I believe. I, I can't remember the name. Uh, Zerubbabel is kind of basic. He's like the king of, of Israel at that point, though he's not really a king. He's more of a governor. And then Joshua is the, uh, he's the, he's the priest. He's the high priest. And those two guys are mentioned together almost every single time they're mentioned in Ezra or Zechariah. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is those two guys are, are both king and priest and they're mentioned together because it's a foreshadowing or it's a type of Christ because Christ is both king and priest. He's high priest of, of, you know, of his church and he's also king. Uh, so there's a reason that the Old Testament does that is to foreshadow Christ today, and Boaz is a is a type of Christ because we see Boaz, this man who who he's a man of great wealth, and that you know that kind of relates to Christ as being you know he is creator of the universe. If any man is has great wealth, it's or had great wealth, it, it would be Christ who who owns all and created all. So um, he is also a very virtuous man. When we read about Boaz, we don't read any of his failings, which is very uncommon for characters that we read about in the Bible. I mean, most of the men that we read about in the Bible have a lot of failings. Moses, one of the one of the most influential men. I mean, Jews still look on Moses today as like the most influential man, the greatest man that is talked about in the Bible. And we read a lot of failings of Moses. Uh, David, greatest king in Israel. A lot of failings. Saul has failings. Solomon has failings. So all of these people have failings, but curiously, Boaz here is only mentioned as virtuous. He's only mentioned as, as a good man. Uh, the same is true of, of Zerubbabel and Joshua because we don't read about their failings. And I think that's important because it points to them as, as being a, a type of Christ who, as we know, was without failing. He was without sin. Now, I'm not saying Boaz was without sin. He certainly was just a man. He had sin. He, he, he did things wrong. But we don't read about him. And I think that's important. It kind of hints to us, hey, this guy is more than just a man. He's he's a redeemer. He's a, he's pointed to as being more than just a character in the Bible. He's, he's showing us a shadow of good things to come. And then we, we look at what he does and how he treats Naomi. Naomi is a foreigner. She's an enemy. She's, she's an enemy of the people of Israel. And how does he treat her? He treats her kindly. He allows her to not only glean in the field, but to glean more. He, he tells her, you know, he tells the young men, his workers, why don't you leave some stuff for her? Make it easier for her. Give her more, more stuff. Um, and, and then he marries her. Um, and it says specifically, I believe I read this last time as well, uh, but Ruth 4 and verse 10, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahalon, have I purchased to be my wife. I have purchased to be my wife. I think that's important. The, the word purchase there, because what did Christ do 
for us. He purchased us with his own blood. The 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 uh, what is it? The symbology of Boaz here is really strong. Uh, you know the the way they break these chapters up. Actually, the very beginning of Ruth chapter four, and this is put in by man, but it says Boaz redeemed Ruth. That's exactly what he did. He redeemed her. He brought her out of her poverty. He gave her a life of wealth. He gave her a child. That's um, exactly what he's talking about when he says purchase. Right. He's redeeming her. He, he he bought her and brought her up out of poverty and treated her as his wife, even though she was an enemy of his people. She was a stranger. He didn't know her. She she gave him nothing. Like when he bought her, he was buying a a, a widow, a, a poor widow at that. So he was he was buying her when he didn't have to. He he was giving her grace. I mean, so when you think about purchase, like, was Ruth even technically on the deal, or was it just for the land? Technically, I thought it was just for the land. So the way and she and and then he was like, oh yeah, also Ruth is in on this deal now. But to Boaz, it was about Ruth. No, no, yeah, so, yeah, but well, legally, it was the oh, land. So, and so meaning, it was still Naomi's land, right? And the way that I've read it, and the way that the commentators have put it, is that Naomi set the uh, set the deal. So Naomi was saying, "I'll sell you this land." This is how it was supposed to have gone. There's a lot of reading between the lines, but Naomi was saying, "I'll sell you the land, but you have to buy. You have to marry Ruth as well." So she said that as part of the obligation of, of buying the land. But it sounds like only Boaz and not the guy. Yeah, I think I think Boaz and Naomi, and he agreed to it, meaning. Normally, the case would be just the land. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I, I don't know. So maybe it's what I, what I, what the point I was trying to get at was if that if that's the case, then maybe it's specifically saying purchase because Ruth was maybe technically not in on that original deal, and he specifically meant it as I purchased and redeemed Ruth. Right I, outside that. of that. That may be. I don't know enough about Jewish custom for purchasing land. Been <laughs> <laughs> but it, he is very, very. The symbology is very strong between Boaz and Christ because that's exactly what Christ did for us. We were foreigners. We were strangers, not part of the Commonwealth of Israel. We were sinners, but enemies of God. And what did He do? He purchased us with His own blood. He gave us grace. He, he chose to make us His. Bribe the church. That's what. That's exactly what Boaz did. That's exactly what Boaz is in this story. So that's that's one. That's one of the big takeaways. Isaac, uh, Brandon, Caleb, do y'all have anything to add to that? I was just thinking about something that Jesus said uh, in a parable. What you what you're talking about with Ruth being a part of the deal for the land reminded me of this. So that there's a parable of Jesus where he talks about this guy who goes into a field and finds a treasure there buries it back again, goes and buys the field to obtain that treasure. And it, it that parable can be taken a couple different ways. I think the way that it's most accurate is the man that's searching the field is Jesus, and the treasure he finds is the church, and he purchases the whole world to obtain the church uh, by giving away everything that he has. And I it, that kind of... I kind of see that with Boaz, where he's buying the field, he's buying the land, but what he really wants is Ruth. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that interpretation of that parable, but that I like that a lot. It's yeah. good. I always thought it was like, man is us, we're supposed to go, you know, buy, do whatever it takes 
spend whatever it takes to get Jesus because he's the he's the prize. I, that's how yeah. I always took it. But that's the more traditional view of that parable. But Chase Palmer uh, was talking about it in a sermon. He said that's the more traditional view. But there's also this view that I think is more accurate because it always bothered him that it said that the man sold everything that he had when it's really actually really difficult for a person to give away everything that we haven't really given everything away to obtain Christ, but Christ gave everything he could have possibly had away. That's why. Right. That's, that's, that's that's a good point. I like that interpretation. That's a beautiful interpretation. Um, you guys have anything else on it? Um, just something that I I feel like maybe hasn't been said a lot because we've covered so much about it. Maybe it has not, but whenever I was reading this, because I read it earlier today, and it seems like there's three main characters in it: Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi. And uh, we we kind of hint we kind of talked about this in our last episode on Ruth about how uh, in chapter three it's not really what the world spins it out to be. You know, maybe nothing. You know. Nothing, you know, really probably happened that night whenever, um, I guess, Ruth made her proposal uh, to Boaz. Um, and a lot of people take it to be a, a love story, like a romance love story. And, you, and if you're just reading this casually for the first time, I can, I, I can kind of understand, un, mm-hmm. understand um where they're coming from. I mean, he goes to great lengths to get, you know, this girl, um, and all these sorts of things. But in reality, you know, you know, that stuff is kind of in there, but the, the overarching arc is a different kind of love. And if you think about each of those main characters that I mentioned, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, each one of them shows, you know, has a moment where they show specifically a strong, strong type of agape love um, to other people. You know, Ruth, for example, in the very first chapter, whenever she's, uh, whenever Naomi is like, you need to go, you know, go find someone else, go back, uh, you know, don't come with me. And she's like, no, I'm going to stay with you. You know, my mother-in-law. After the other sister-in-law left, she's the one that stayed. I think that's a strong, strong type of love. And then we see all in chapter two, Boaz just treating Ruth, uh, you know, amazing. You know, we talked about how, you know, she's she's in an unknown place with unknown people in an uncertain time, in the time um, where every man thought for himself, really. Um, and he treated her with respect. He treated her with love. Um, and then Naomi, that other third character that I kind of talked about, she also in a sense, you know, showed her great love. And I think, I think one act of her showing love is her also saying to Ruth to go because at the same time, it was a bad point in time. And Naomi was saying, leave me alone. And that's a dangerous spot to be in a woman, a widow. She's lost her children. She's all on her own. And she could say, stay with me. We're better together. You know, stay with me, all these things. No, go off. You know, I know that I'll be at risk, but go off, find another man, be happy, all these different types of things. And I think that's a strong point in this story of that agape love, that putting other people in front of yourself is like, in all of the characters in this story, each one of them shows that. 
Um, but that's just something that I kind of thought that we hadn't mentioned. Maybe yeah. we did a little bit, but that's just something I wanted to bring up. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but that that is that is absolutely right. I mean, it is a it is a, a very pretty love story to look at between Boaz and Ruth because they do they do choose each other, but it's it is that agape love. They they choose to be with each other. Ruth chooses to be with Boaz. Boaz. Boaz, more specifically, he chooses Ruth, and and even though, like I like I talked about, it didn't really benefit him to choose Ruth. She didn't bring a dowry. She didn't bring. I mean, she brought she brought some baggage. I, I would say she had an ex. She had a not next husband. She had a husband who had died already. Um, so it, it's definitely the agape love. And then the last thing I think uh, that is that I took out of it was wait on the Lord's timing, especially for Ruth. Uh, Ruth was married before, as I said just now, that she was married for 10 years um, to the the son of Naomi. She's married for 10 years. She didn't have a child during that time. That is a long time to be without a child and to be married, especially in time when you don't have any kind of control. Um, so she probably thought she was barren. She probably thought she wasn't going to have children. And then she marries Boaz, and what happens? The Lord gives her a child. It says the Lord gave. What's to say exactly? He gives her gave her conception. Yeah, the Lord like gave her concept. The Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. So all of all of her life up until that point, she had probably thought for for at least ten years. She had probably thought, "I'm barren. I'm not going to have children." Yeah. I get Sarah vibes. Yeah, and then and then what does the Lord do for her? The Lord gives her conception on the Lord's timing and gives her a son who will eventually go on to. Uh, perpetuate the lineage of Jesus Christ, the the Savior of the world. That's amazing. Think about, I mean, she probably struggled with that, was was sad and, and unhappy about that, but she, but she continued on. She waited on the Lord's timing, and maybe she didn't know she was waiting on the Lord's timing here. Uh, sometimes we don't know we're waiting on the Lord's timing uh, for things that we want or things that we think we need, and we need to, we need to trust God. His timing is, is good. His timing is, is better than our timing. Sure, we want things. He show he gives us the things we need. And he does it in crazy ways. I mean, we've talked multiple times in, in this episode, I think, and most definitely in the other episode of who Ruth was. I mean, she's a Moabite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did it through a woman who was a widow, who was a Moabite. You know, these are not things that you know come immediately to mind when I think of Jesus, right. the guy that died for our sins. Also, um, you know, thinking of he came, his mother was a virgin. That's not typical, right? Mm-hmm. You think of things like Paul. Um, you know, he was a murderer. He was someone right. who threw people in jail. Yep. He does all these things through... Un- and, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and speaking yeah. to that with how foreign she was, you know, like we were talking, I think we mentioned it last episode, but the Moabites were like um, pagan. They were, they were enemy to the Israelites, mm-hmm. right? And so... Uh, and maybe it's a stretch, but I, I see a a little bit of a foreshadowing of the mystery of Christ in this, and that uh, that Paul talks about in the New Testament, how that there was never known before that God was going to bring in the outside world, other other than just the Jews, into His church and redeem them. Um, that was the the mystery of Christ is that you know they thought that only the Israelites, only only the Jewish people were going to be God's people, but God brought in even the foreigners, uh, even the ones that, you know, were, were wicked and, and he redeemed them kind of like Boaz redeems this Moabite foreign woman who came from a foreign land, who 
probably at one point worshipped pagan gods. Uh, so she was a foreigner and she was redeemed. And, and to me, that, that gives me a little picture of the, the mystery of Christ. So, well, you know what's interesting is every time we look at the lineage of Jesus, who else was a part of the lineage of Jesus? I mean, somebody, somebody who you would not expect, who you would not think. It's, it's the, the harlot that lived in Jericho, Rahab. Yeah. She's a part of the lineage of Jesus, which, again, it's an outsider. It's somebody who's not of Israel. So it, it, it's interesting, though, because you look at that and you say, you know, there's there's two outsiders who are a direct part of the lineage of Jesus, which points us to say, you know, which points to the fact that Christ is not for Israel alone. Christ is for the world. Yeah. Um, and then that, and that's, that's painted. Here David right himself was a nobody. Before, yeah, was just before everything, anything was done, like, he was a nobody. Yeah. He was, you know, wasn't it, uh, Jesse was like, I have all these sons. And he, doesn't I don't, even, he doesn't even show David. I don't even, you know, he's looked down on all these different things. I think I think it's done for a purpose, obviously. Yeah. I think also, um, I don't know if y'all already mentioned it and touched on it, but you can also take uh, this story as an example of just generosity in general. You look at Boaz's character and all that he did. He was very plainly very generous. You know, he would leave out extra food. He was giving things away. He was making preparations so that these people could help Ruth. And, and you know, it's just very clear. You know, take this food back to your mother. I mean, not your mother, but your mother-in-law. Um, he's sending gifts around to people. He's taking care of people. He was a very generous person. He, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was serving, which like Ruth was serving. Which, again, points into the, the type of type of Christ. Right. I mean, because exactly, exactly like that. Christ is, you can't look at Christ, you can't look at God and say he's anything but generous. Mm-hmm. I mean, the breath that you're breathing right now is from God. The, the the life that you have is from God. The salvation that you were offered from God. The world we live on, the, the food we eat, the, the clothes on our back, every physical thing we have is from God. Every good thing that we have, all the joy that we get from life is put here by God. The pleasure that we, we enjoy in just something as simple as eating something that tastes good. That's yeah. from God. It's his generosity. It's his His great wealth that he gives to us. I, I, I think everything that we read about is just a huge foreshadowing. Christ is coming. This is who he is. This is his character. This is what he's going to do. And Ruth represents us, and Boaz represents Christ. Yeah. I think it's... And, um, you know, I'll, I'll just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Isaac, please. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think it's super interesting when God takes a historical, factual story and uses it to uh, foreshadow himself and foreshadow Christ. And he did the same thing with Hosea, did the same thing with David, with Solomon, with uh, a bunch of the other prophets. Like, actual, factual, historical stories that actually happen, and they all represent Christ. It, I think it's super cool the way the Old Testament just lays out Christ in every way, whether it be through poetry, through historical documentation, through just, you know, dissertation. It all points to Christ, and I think it's super cool the way that the Bible's yeah. laid out that way. Well, and just look at verse 15. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better to thee than seven sons have born thee. A restorer of thy life. That's, that, that, you, can't, you just can't escape it. You know? Guys, do you have any 
Any additional thoughts? I've got a bit of a side shoe thing, but I think, you know, it's worth at least considering. In verse 13, it says that uh, the Lord gave her conception. It doesn't say that they of themselves wrought conception and it was just for them, but it's apparent that the Lord blessed their family with a child. And I just think that that's a good example of how, of what a blessing that children are and how it's a, a great gift from God. No, that's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's interesting. Oftentimes, just that this is a little bit off track, but oftentimes we do say, you know, yeah, we're, we're trying for a child. Yeah, we, we had a baby. In, in reality, every child that's born is given life by, by God. Every one of us is given the breath of life by God. We're, we, our souls are, you know, my DNA and, and oh, Emma's DNA did nothing to, sure, the physical creation was born of our DNA, but my DNA and the DNA can't. We can't make the soul. The soul is is produced from from God. He He provided the the divine aspect of life to Emma and I through you know through our union and and to me and to you and to Caleb and, and, and you know you listener in the car. Your your soul was provided by God, not by your parents, which is an, is an interesting interesting thought and a, it's an amazing thought. You know. God's a redeemer, and he blesses us with, with things when we follow him and we obey him. So, But I don't have anything else. Isaac, do you have any, any additional thoughts as to how this applies to our life? I think the only other thing I would say is that, and we talked about this a little bit off air, but I think Ruth perfectly exemplifies a Proverbs 31 woman uh, in the way that she acts and her reputation. You know, Boaz even says, you are a virtuous woman. Everyone knows you're a virtuous woman. Everyone knows what you've done for my family, for your mother-in-law. She perfectly exemplifies Psalm 31, uh, and she's definitely the jewel to Boaz, as it says in, in that psalm, or excuse me, in that proverb. So, I mean, if you're looking for an example to... You know, if, if any young women are looking for an example to, like, be like Ruth, you know, be committed, be loving, be uh, coachable, even. But, yeah. yeah. And and young men, be like Boaz. Yeah. Like Boaz. I, I don't know if we pointed it out or not, but in uh, chapter two, you know, the the reapers of that field were pointed out to Boaz. She's been here since the sun rose she's working with, she hasn't rested but for a moment and she's been working all this time. And she requested to go have a job. She was a hard worker. You know, she was out there trying and, and really giving her effort to what she was doing and being a servant, you know. Both are great examples to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so if you're looking for an example of, of what to be as a Christian woman, look to that effort and servitude that Ruth put in. But uh, Isaac, do you want to go ahead and, and kick us off on the closeout? Sure. Thank you so much for listening to the King's Advocate podcast. I'm Isaac. I'm Caleb. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ryan. So uh, thank you so much for listening to the King's Advocate.